You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And today we are here with Ellen Struve. She is a playwright and the community connector for Great Plains Theatre Commons. Now, she is not alone today. We are also talking to Amy Lane. She is a director. She is currently the director of Old Bat, and that will be uh, they will be putting that on at Benson Theater on March 23rd and 24th, and we're here to talk to him about that and maybe some other stuff too, huh? Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's very nice to see you. Thank you for having us. Welcome. Really appreciate it. We are so happy to talk to you about this. Yes. I, I've been waiting for an opportunity to, to meet you, Ellen, as well. And so happy to meet Amy. I know this is a staged reading, but I'm excited yes. for you because this is a new play written by an Omaha playwright and a woman, nonetheless, which I enjoy. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about how this came about and how you decided to write this. This for me was, uh, it was really a very personal exercise. The pandemic was a little challenging for me with writing. You know, Mm. different creatives had different responses to what happened. Um, And normally I'm, you know, I'm always working on something, but and, and, and honestly, I did I did have a show go up uh, really with the Rose Theater that was really beautiful and, and life-saving in many ways, which was how to build an arc at the Rose oh, um, yes. in January of 2021. So it was in the, in the heart of the pandemic in many ways. But I just hadn't written anything new and I just didn't know if I would feel it again. And so in the month of April, the Dramatist Guild runs a sort of you know, like a nano November in the month of April for plays. Okay. And so I just sort of locked myself in the room at night in April of last year and said, okay, just see what happens. Um, and it's so funny. I looked at my journals the other week and this is not a play that I was intending to write at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was not like, um, I had, I had had thoughts about, a play with this mythological setting for a long time, mm-hmm. but this was not a play that I was, you know, uh, you know, two weeks before April first, it was nowhere on my radar. And then I just sort of said, like, I need to really connect with like an original impulse. I need to connect with something that feels like it's just for me and might never be able to be produced. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and then she brought the play to a group of friends of ours that we have occasionally got together and just read a play and especially a play that we would never, ever be cast in, that we would never see in Omaha. Let's just get <laughs> together and read. So we all had a glass of wine and she said, I have something. So she brought it to us. There were four of us in this group at that time. And we all just read it out loud. We all played multiple characters. I was the Cyclops. Excellent. <laughs> and I played the character of the Breeze, which is this anthropomorphic kind of personification of the wind. And it was just this crazy play, something unlike anything that Ellen had written before. And so we all just read it and laughed a lot. And it was really fun. And she ended it, I remember saying, oh, this is just for this. This is just for us. I don't think we're ever really going to produce it. But there was something in it that 
I said, you know, you really should work on this because I don't think this is just nothing. I think you could really make this into something that is really exciting. And so that was like the very, very beginning of this play. And she kept going with it, kept working on it, brought it to Great Plains Theater Commons to see if they would be interested in it. And it started there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it. I gave it to Kevin Lawler, and I'm like, oh, you know, is it is it weird for me to take work <laughs> to other theaters? You know, just mm. you know, I just want a staged reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then it was really, it was really lovely. It's a full workshop and a and a and a, a long development workshop, which is incredibly useful for a new work you know and we have access to dramaturgs and design input and this phenomenal cast and to be able to spend you know three weeks in a room with you know my theater soul sister is is just really useful in um you know building a play into to a better a better place yeah well, and that's so exciting that, Amy, you are actually, I should have called you Dr. Lane, <laughs> <laughs> because you have your PhD, and you work at Creighton, and you do you teach at Creighton? I am the program director for musical theater and theater Ooh, uh, there at Creighton University. I teach theater history, directing, some acting. I teach theater for social justice there. And I have, boy, Ellen and I go back way before <laughs> even I was teaching at Creighton. Before Creighton, I was the resident director at the Omaha Community Playhouse oh. and was there and started their alternative programming. And part of the alternative programming was uh, 21 and over, which was readings of new plays in Omaha. So that's, boy, yeah. Ellen I mean, and I... I think- I think, I think we've even before that. that. Yeah, I know. We started working together before that. Yeah, it was when I was an adjunct at UNO. And Ellen is super ballsy. And she just (laughs) called me (laughs) on one of the day. Like, I didn't know who the hell she was. And she just called me up and said, uh, asking questions about a play that she had submitted to UNO. We were doing a new works festival. And so she was asking me questions about about it. So I answered them. And with a quick phone call, I hung up. And about five minutes later, the phone rang again. It was Ellen. And Ellen was like, you know, I think we're going to be friends. And so <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna take you out for lunch sometime. Let's go out for lunch. And I so we it. did. And that was it. It was like right? a two and a half hour lunch. I <laughs> we talked love that. so much. Um, and we have we have uh, our sons are approximately the same age. They're about a year apart. And okay. um, <laughs> you know, at that time. Um, my son is graduating from high school now, but he was very young at that time. And there, I did not have access to any other theater parents. Oh. I did, I, um, there were a lot of times where I was the only woman in the room sometimes, um, and certainly always the only married person with children. Mm. So uh. I was like, we are going to be friends. Uh, that is wonderful. <laughs> and everybody needs a friend that just is like, we are doing this. <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, no, we've, yeah. 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 We've done yeah. six productions together. Wow. Six productions. Yeah, this is the nice. sixth one. But this is that. the first one since well, 2018. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah, before it was the pandemic. So this was 
yeah, this was much needed. And it, I, I tell you, it was a breath of fresh air to be in the room with someone who you have developed a shorthand with, who mm. you have, you know, like yeah. this feels like what theater should feel like. Like yeah. this feels really good to be in the room working on something that you're passionate about and she's passionate about and working with tremendous actors. This was, this was really it was like coming home. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. And I love that you both have that working relationship as well with mm -hmm. that, you know, your friendship has really deepened it. And I think that's, that's definitely part of community theater and just part of theater um, is that camaraderie. So you said that there were six productions that you've done together mm -hmm. before. So when was the first one? Mm. Oh, um, this is Jennings. 2009? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Been a while. That was, my, that was my first play. Jenny. So was first and and your very first play as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. And I had come back to playwriting later. You know, I was in my mm -hmm. 30s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. Yeah, so. and she had two one-act plays that the Shelter Belt Theater did. Ah. Uh, one was her first, they were both yeah, like her first and second plays. Yeah. And I directed... I it was 2011. Oh, I can't remember. I it was, that. I don't know. <laughs> so we were, but she wrote a play, Mrs. Jennings Sitter, and I directed that, uh, a okay. short piece. And then the other piece, the companion piece, Mountain Lion, then I acted in. Yeah. And uh, one of our mutual friends, Sonia Keffer, directed Mountain Lion. So yeah. it was a cool, that yeah. was, yeah, the was first really, collaboration. Yeah. Wow. So how do you start this process? I mean... The, you said the pandemic was difficult for you to write in. How, what is your normal process? <laughs> My normal process is I agonize over a play for <laughs> and I do as much research as possible to procrastinate writing a play. And I, <laughs> I understand that. Uh, I work on stuff, but um, uh, but this this play I wrote in twenty eight days. Which oh, was wow. really unusual mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. yeah. Is that is you know, that's quick, quick? Yeah. That's, that's quick, quick for you. That was really that's quick, quick for me. For me. For you. Was, yeah. Right. Everybody. Everybody is so different that way. And every play is different. Yeah. It comes out in a diff its own timeline. Yes. Yeah. It sounds Definitely. like it was ready to come out. Yes. Yeah. 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 Huh. But what I really like about Ellen too is that playwriting and writing in general can be such a solitary sport, right? Sure. It's a solo effort. But Ellen really theater is collaborative by nature and mm -hmm. Ellen as a playwright wants and needs that collaboration and so that's why mm -hmm. this development for Old Bat is something that is really exciting for us is that we're not ready to produce it yet we're still working it out Ellen's still working it out and seeing what are the production possibilities for this play mm -hmm. um, but in collaboration I think is where you really find the heart of a play yeah think? oh absolutely you know I you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's building a kinetic, three D symphony with individual voices, and uh, you know, every every actor, every director, every designer, crew, you know, like they, it's, it's such a complicated animal to bring a play to life, and it's it's always super humbling when you see one. And you're like, oh, 
can't believe all of these people put all of this work into this just idea that I had. But really, it, it's it has to be their idea too. Yeah. And I and I love that that feeling. You know, I was telling Sherry. You know, she started in music, and and I started in music too. And and you know, my favorite part would be playing in orchestra, um, just because it's such a big instrument of yeah. so many people. Yeah. And a, and a play is the same way, like all of these people working together mm -hmm. to make this mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really exciting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you, a lot of, now I can't think of uh, the one that I did see before, but um, I've seen recommended read for girls. And so I'm, and I've looked through this with Old Bat. It seems like there's always a little bit of a, of a fantasy element but then yet the, one of the other plays that I saw that you wrote was based in Nebraska. So I, I love that you kind of mirror, you know, you bring in a little bit of a fantasy into this real life yeah. situation. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, fantasy. And, you know, we had just been talking the other day about a, uh, a theme that runs through a lot of her plays is the idea of story and, and the power of narrative and whose voice is telling the story. And is that story, once it's out in the world, is it unchangeable or can stories be rewritten? Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that, again, I see that theme, whether you know it or not, <laughs> it's a theme that is running through a lot of her work. That, and that's what I find most fascinating about that. It's certainly in Old Bat. Yeah, a lot about, uh, and that's why I think it has this myth connection. Um, it's like an odyssey of sorts for contemporary times from a woman's perspective. So these ancient stories that we all know, is that the only way that they are told? Or is that are they forever unchangeable, kind of in our collective unconscious? And that's what I think this story is about with Old Bat. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, like, and, and I do try, you know, every play is really different from the other one. I, I, um, I don't, <laughs> you know, I work in a lot of different genres. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have resisted maybe foolishly for a playwriting career, which is the definition of foolishness. <laughs> um, hmm. Um, <laughs> to have really, really different work. Um, but, you know, um, as, as I, mean, I say, I do what I want. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's, I mean, it's hard to be creative if, if there's something that isn't behind it. So I think that's exciting. So how do you decide that you, you find, find this inspiration? I usually I start with an image and I write towards it. Interesting. Um, I, I am a, an intuitive writer. I don't, I don't outline. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't work that way. Um, and so writing is a process of discovery for, for me. Oh wow. Do you find that writer as well? Because uh -huh. sometimes things turn out differently than you think they will. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you find that you tend to uh, go more from the story first or, or the characters? Uh, you tend to follow the character and then whatever sort of story they go on, they're like, you're like, oh, well, this is the story we're going to tell then. Or, or, yeah. or, or both, depending on the story. I mean, the, 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 the character dictates the action. 
Fair enough. Of the, of the play. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Old Bat. So we, we know there's Cyclops in it. Um, we know there's kind of some mythological beings. Do you want mm-hmm. to give us a little bit, and without giving anything to, away? <laughs> and, and there is a contemporary, a, a strong contemporary element in it as well. I think um, I was pretty, pretty angry last April. Um, Putin had um, invaded Ukraine. Um, the Dobbs decision had leaked. Yes. Um, there was a lot to to question. Um, yeah. Also for. Um, for, for my job as community connector um, at Great Plains Theater Commons, um, we do some really wonderful work with partners, with really tremendous partners. And one of those partners is um, Refugee Women Rising. And we'd done some um, some art workshops and and some, some journaling workshops. And I'd been so struck um, by the strength and the bravery of all of these women um, from around the world, you know, not just one location. Um, who had been displaced by civil strife, Mm. um, by political violence, um, and the, the presence of civil strife in our, in our own country is, is sort of ever present and more and more so, Mm -hmm. and, um, political, um, violence with the invasion of Ukraine was really also on my mind. And so, um, this story begins with a woman who has experienced a plague, a fire, and a war, um, and is um, trying to make her way through that experience. She requires a ransom for her child. Mm. And so she lands on this island in cahoots with a hero to try to secure that ransom. Oh, wow. That yeah. And living on the island are two monsters, retired monsters. Yeah, they're old retired monsters. Cyclops and Hespera, who uh, was a harpy. Huh. And they're guarding this treasure. Yeah, huh. yeah. And so, you know, like there are a lot of questions about power and who holds power mm-hmm. and, you know, how... how yeah we navigate that. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. And just the idea that monsters retire is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I don't know that they retired by choice. I think they were maybe forced out of the monster business by old age. (laughs) (laughs) So I heard you say costumes. Is this, this is a stage reading, but there is no costumes necessarily. No, there's okay. no costumes. Okay. And, and honestly, in the stage directions, you know, it's a it's a cyclops who looks just like an old man with uh, a you know maybe a medical patch over one eye. Right. You know, this yeah. is a yeah. This is a yeah. Yeah. So we have an awesome designer, um, Anita. Yes. Uh, and so she is going to 
um, be there for the readings. And she has uh, given us a design presentation that is just fantastic. Oh, I know. So again, this is in development process. So working with this designer was really helpful to both of us and to the actors to start imagining what is this world like? Mm -hmm. What does it what does it feel like to live on this island of retired monsters? <laughs> this kind of mythical place. What is it like? What are the textures? What does it feel like? And that really helped inform the actors. So but we won't have a design actualized uh -huh. there for the reading. But uh, Anita Savoni de Adelsberg will give a design presentation. She'll give like a five minute oh, video presentation yeah. that will be played at the staged reading. So people, you know, the, the point of a, a staged reading is to invite audience into process. Yeah. You know, and because an audience is part of a process, whether whether they know it or not, yes. they're there to work. Right. And um, I, I think we learn a lot about the play from audience reactions. Absolutely. So that's a really important part of the development process. But mm -hmm. knowing that we aren't going to have realized design, uh, one thing that we did have access to was sound and music. Hmm. Do you want to talk about oh, your sure. awesome musicians? <laughs> because I think it's going to add a lot. It's very cool. Um, because this felt like such a, a personal <laughs> project and it was such a quick play, I um, asked my, my daughter studies jazz and jazz piano at Lawrence Conservatory. And my husband is a musician. Um, he has a jazz studies degree from DePaul. And so um, knowing that I would be working with Amy, I asked if they could provide sort of musical accompaniment to the play, which is which is overstating the amount of music in the play already by just saying that. But it's sort of, um, it provides a little extra quality yeah. of flavor um, yeah. and to ask and to sit down. So we've had music rehearsal the past couple nights and it's been delightful to give directions yeah. to my well. improvising family. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like that, but make it denser. I don't know what that means musically, but figure it out for me. That, that was the most fun. <laughs> Ellen and I had a meeting at an Indian restaurant <laughs> where we went over like, where, how can we imagine music being used here? And so we would write things down like piano violence. I don't know what that means. Piano violence. What about piano kissing? Piano kissing. <laughs> what if this is a, what if yeah. This is and it's, and it's, it's very spare. It's not a musical or a score by no, no, any no. sense of the word because you can't, I mean, the actors are so phenomenal and you don't want to distract from um, their delivery and their characterizations yeah. in a staged reading, but it just provides this oh, little extra, yeah, yeah, this little extra moment. It elevates it, but that was fun to think about, like how do we translate piano violence into actual musician language? Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How do we do yeah, piano it comes out like, like uh, <laughs> you know, minor fourths, and then the score has this like, now the the script has these funny you know things in it like it says like piano violence but it's like a flat scale with something <laughs> something you know oh. and you find out how that works that's that's really interesting so the music is going to be part of the stage reading that's i don't think i've yeah. ever seen a stage that's reading really music. cool it's it's very it's, it's very uh incidental it's not it's not yeah. You know. Although I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of yeah. incidental music. seems like more and more of it has been used in, in plays recently and being yeah. a giant yeah. soundtrack nerd that I, 
I I love that, and I I'm I'm really happy when I get to see that. That no, the play isn't a musical, yeah. but it's got music in it, mm-hmm. and yeah. it adds so much. Underscore yeah, the emotions. And have like fully realized musical moments because we don't have transitions, which mm-hmm. is where the, it would be. But it does create like you know when you're when you're doing a staged reading, you're exploring. What are the possibilities of production? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you can sort of you instantly know, create like, a mood. Possibilities for people to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so. So, where did you get the name for Old Bat? How did you come up with that? Yeah, what, is that what does that refer to? I do love that name. Or is that a spoiler? That probably should be my <laughs> No, no. I mean, it's kind yeah. of both things. The Cyclops has a, a, a cudgel. That, a big club that he carries around mm-hmm. and certainly Hespera could also be referred to as an old bat <laughs> so but there's that, a yeah. couple old bats in the play okay yeah. that club <laughs> becomes a metaphor for power yeah so who wields it who has it who has always had it and uh, could anybody else possibly take that bat away from who has always carried it wow that sounds so fun. I can't wait to, to to see what you guys are putting together. And I love that you're thinking outside the box for stage readings with the music added. I love that idea. Stage readings yeah. can be so so different. And I didn't even think about this possibility. Yeah. yeah. I, I really loved stage readings. They're there's such a there's such a um it's such a tremendous contract with the audience. Um you know, theater is always a contract with the audience. You know, we have a contract of imagination the minute you step in the theater. You know, you are, you know, saying, oh, I as an audience member know that this actor is not this character. And I know that everything that happens on stage is imaginary, but I have mm-hmm. signed on to this contract to create um, the play in my head. Right, mm-hmm. like this is an imaginary contract, and in mm-hmm. in uh, a staged reading, audience really has a little bit more freedom than than in a uh, full production. You know, they can they can go to town. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, especially if the playwright's putting really really weird stuff in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nuh-uh. I- really cool thing that we're doing with the staged reading is uh, in terms of how we are presenting the stage directions. So of course, Mm. because it's a stage reading and and Mm. you won't see the set, you won't see action scenes acted out. um, The stage directions, Ellen and I talked for a long time about like, how can we, is there a way we can make the stage directions more engaging or fit in uh, into this world of like a contemporary myth better? So Ellen was reading a newer translation of the odyssey that was mm-hmm. by a woman yeah emily wilson's translation of the odyssey ah, yeah. and it's uh she was reading tell her about the first sentence um, that you were reading or tell me about yeah tell me a story of a complicated man is how the odyssey how her translation of the of the odyssey opens and and i was like ugh, you know tell me the story of a desperate woman um, and and then the last stands on the first page of her Odyssey is find the beginning, and that is also a theme um, in mm-hmm. in Old Bad is how do we find new yeah. beginnings? So we thought, you know, yeah. it, 
how to get the audience in this mood to hear something like uh, an epic poem, like Homer's Odyssey. What if we change the stage director uh, directions into a singer and a poet? So we have two sharing the stage directions, but Ellen rewrote a lot of them in a narrative style. So the this play is starting out, tell me the story of an ordinary woman. And it goes from there. So we, again, like we have that story framework around the whole thing and giving the audience that feel of that this is uh, maybe a contemporary odyssey for our times. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And our, our poet and our narrator, our cast is so, so lovely oh. to work with. Um, AJ Adiambo, who's a student at Creighton, mm -hmm. um, is playing The Breeze and um, the poet and Francisco Franco, who I worked with on Epic, Epico, he's a return victim of being an actor in an Ellen Struve play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, he, he is reading the ferryman and the oh, yeah. um, singer. And you know, I've, I've, Dennis Stussman too, Dennis Stussman mm -hmm. is also a return victim. Mm -hmm. um, Dennis, I had worked with on the Dairy Maid right, and he has returned to play the hero. And it was the first time I've been able to work with Moira Mangimelli and Haley Haas as actors. It's really lovely to have yes. kind of a room full of artistic directors. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Nils Holland is just, oh, to yeah. see Nils Holland be a uh, as vocally imaginative as he wants to be <laughs> is a real treat. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, it's it's been a, a delightful, delightful crew of folk oh, to wow. be with. When you make a new work, there's so many people that people might not see on stage yes. that participate in it just like you know amy's always in the back and we're i'm always joking that i'm gonna make myself a a, <laughs> a lace mantilla um to hide in the audience but um <laughs> but i had the opportunity to work with amy wagner who was the literary manager for actors theater louisville and a really phenomenal dramaturg who's headed up the Miana festival really mm. important place for new work or, around the country for oh. a long time nice. and so and she's in omaha she's from omaha originally so it's been a super delight yes. to have access to amy and to have access to her questions and her insights mm -hmm. um and then there are people like our stage manager grace louise is just so awesome and keeping us on task and in line <laughs> and new script development is not for the faint of heart and you know yeah. where those pages line up so yeah. there are a lot of a lot of people and you know kevin lawler's doing sound design i love it when people get mm -hmm. to um, people who have administrative jobs in the arts sometimes get to be artists uh, it's really fun for Haley and moira to just be able to be actors mm -hmm. in this process yeah. and to just give a lot of people a different way to be involved. And so what are your plans for Old Bat? Are you, are you wanting feedback during the stage reading or what are, what's the plan? Oh, there'll be feedback from the stage reading for sure. I think yeah. we'll probably have a QR code to a form that people can fill out and oh. I will get those forms back and review them. It, the goal is to get it to the next step uh, and sure. then to see what happens from there, you know. Right. Yeah, what shape it takes after this. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. 
Well, I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And what a great opportunity for someone to do this script as a play with music and per perhaps a score or something. I mean, it's got a lot of possibilities. Yeah, as well, it really does. As the it really does. And, and I will say too, like, I'm, I'm so grateful to the Omaha community and community of actors and everyone. You know, we had a high audition turnout for Old Bat, and auditions for a playwright are so useful. People who auditioned and, and maybe weren't cast, but they're they contributed to the development of the play because they helped me think about the characters over and over again mm. and change up things and and see what possible what different possibilities looked like. I had a table read with actors who didn't audition or actors who weren't right for roles, but who I wanted to get input from. You know, Joe Baskey has been a big champion of mine writing, and that's been um, he offered to have a table read at his house, which was really generous of him and, mm. and, and lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love theater that's collaborative. Oh, absolutely. We are just so honored again to talk to both of you. And Amy, Dr. Dr. Lane. Doctor, doctor, doctor. And Ellen, just such a pleasure to talk to you. And please keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And hopefully, again, here, maybe in the not-too-distant future, we can swing back around and talk about old bad again as it's maybe going up as a production somewhere <laughs> that would be really exciting that would yep. be extremely exciting i think so too <laughs> well thank you very much to ellen struve and amy lane for joining us on this early saturday morning <laughs> thank you so much thank, thank you. you thank you Old Bat, a staged reading by Ellen Struve and directed by Dr. Amy Lane, will be held at the Benson Theater on March 23rd and 24th at 7.30 p.m. Admission is free. This play is being co-produced by Benson Theater and the Great Plains Theater Commons Playfest. For reservations, go to gptcplays.com. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard. <laughs>